Could you imagine having a friendship with an AI? How about asking one to teach your kids at school? How about even having a real ongoing romantic relationship with an AI chatbot? Well, we explore all of these questions and more on this week's episode of The Complete Tech Eds with me, Tommy Edwards, as I interview a real expert in neuroscientist and psychologist, Dr. Paul D. Ottomans. Hello friends, I am here with psychologist, neuroscientist and AI founder Dr. Paul D. Ottomans for what I am sure will be a super insightful conversation about all things to do with AI, teaching, psychology and lots of other good stuff I'm sure. So uh, Dr. Paul D., thanks so much for joining me. Um, so it would be great if I could get a brief intro to you, your background, um, and kind of how you came to the position you're at in, in life currently. Yeah, lovely. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Paul Ottomans, as Tom already mentioned. I'm a female tech leader in the UK. I'm a neuroscientist and psychologist, sort of by academic background. I did a PhD in cognitive neuroscience. But I'm also the co-founder of Ottomans Institute, which built the first independent AI teacher, uh, which we call OIAI. Uh, with the mission to upskill 750 million underserved students globally by uh, 2030. And as part of that role, or as part of OIAI, I oversee the research that really drives our product development. So that's in a nutshell who I am. Awesome. Um, okay, well, look, I would love to start by learning a bit more about the problem that you're, you're trying to solve with, uh, with OIAI. So what is the issue that you've um, decided to take on? Yes, so for us, the problem really is that there are not enough teachers in the world. And if you today wanted to teach someone to, to learn something, and um, if you wanted someone to teach you that, you don't really have easy access to there. It's not really accessible or just not available to you, maybe in your area. So we really wanted to solve that, that problem, uh, and with that also the uh, global skills and knowledge gap that exists. Okay, um, and... So why is that then? Is it, is it simply that not enough people are training to be teachers? There isn't the, 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 there just aren't enough people generally or enough qualified people. Like what are the kind of reasons for that, do you think? I think it's multifold that there is you know, sort of simply not enough teachers for the amount of people that need to be taught. Yeah. Um, so that's a number, you know, just a number game. However, what is also really tricky when it comes to education and teaching is that the quality of teaching, monitoring that and providing, you know, let's say an excellent level of quality assurance is really tricky. So if I give you an example there, when we started with Ottomans Institute or OI, as we, as we call ourselves, sometimes it's easier in February 2020, our idea was to teach young people, underserved people, unserved people, uh, people that may not have access, employability skills, because we found really uh, almost like a gap in the market there where a lot of people have finished a degree, whether that's you know secondary school, high school, or even university's degrees, and then still are not able to get a job. Why? <laughs> why is that? You know, unemployment rates in a lot of countries are very high. But like, why do these people are not able to get a job? So when we, when we went, actually, we did a, a big, big piece of work. Uh, we traveled to Southeast Asia. We taught a lot of 
you know, students, we talk to teachers, we talk to people in you know, the education sector. And just when we are about to, to actually start with our program, COVID-19 hit, and of course everything <laughs> had to be digitized. In the end, I must say, I think this was actually a really good point for us as an organization. We pivoted very rapidly to you know, delivering all our training digitally via Zoom. Uh, we, we found that the easiest platform. But we were then scaling very rapidly because you didn't have to travel anymore. There was no commuting. There was no, you know, all these things that come with logistics when you do something in person, they were no longer there. So we scaled rapidly, quickly moved to about 11 countries in, you know, in, a, in a span of a few months, and then got a lot of support, lots of new trainers onboarded. We had to train the trainers. And then overseeing all of that is very difficult. So even if you have an, you know, an X number of trainers, within your institution, in your school, in your environment, in your community, then still maintaining that quality is really tricky because you know, every, not everyone teaches the same. If you would teach today and I would teach, we would teach the same person. They would get a very different experience because everybody brings in their own experiences, their backgrounds, their knowledge, their examples. But the way you talk, the way I talk, everything is different. So that quality control is really difficult. And when, when we realize that, because that only came when we were expanding. We said, well, this is not going to be a solution. We cannot keep getting more trainers and train them. This is growing so quickly that this is not manageable. So then we thought, well, can we use technology to our advantage and see is, you know, can we use AI to, to help us build this solution and um, solve this problem or get at least closer to solving that problem and bridging that gap? Great. Okay. Well, so you've 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 touched on your solution there. Um, so we've got this big um, gap in teacher numbers. You've started doing it on Zoom. Um, so what have you done then with AI to scale that program? Yeah. So we really think that AI can help in this, and we think um, to put it in a slightly different manner, we think AI in essence can put this you know, productivity sort of on steroids. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that um, it can allow anyone to get personalized attention 24-7. So it may not yet be as good as a dedicated human being. Yes, okay. But we're just at the beginning, right, at this curve, yeah. this technology curve is, you know, it's, it's, it's growing so rapidly um, and improvements in AI and the technology both, you know, at the back end, but also the way we experience it and the user interfaces, everything will follow really, really fast. And I think everybody in, in the sphere of AI who either works with them or uses the different tools that are out there, you know, we're all excited about, you know, GPT-3, GPT-4, but Sam Altman is already talking about GPT-9 on screen. So you can <laughs> yeah. see, you know, where this technology yeah. curve is only going to. So today we can get personalized attention from something that has um, like more data in, in it itself or yeah, in itself, in its brain, than any single solution in history. So that's why we think the impact of AI can be really, really beneficial here for, yeah. for students, for learners, as we tend to call them. And yes, there may be good and bad uses of AI. I think there's been lots of the news about that as well. Um, but there's you know, good and bad uses, if you're thinking about the bad sides of other scientific developments as well, if you think about you know, nuclear technology, <laughs> that has its good and bad uses. Sure. But when I think... If we use AI correctly and for the right reasons, so if I think about what we're trying to do to eradicate this um, global skills gap um, and the glo global knowledge gap, I think it's very promising and there is a, it's a bright future ahead of us.
Yeah. So, so I, like I can imagine how it might be useful for, you know, students with maybe don't have a, a, enough teach time to be like, you know, chatting to chat GPT, but that's not quite what you're doing, is it? Like what, what exactly is it that you've developed? Yes. Well, um, it's indeed, as you said, quite different than just having a, a, a chat, as you said, yeah. with ChatGPT, for instance, or any of the other platforms. But um, to begin with, or sort of to answer your question, you can try it out yourself, or to anybody that's listening, feel free to try it out on, uh, you know, some of our models on um, oiedu.co.uk. You can explore Great. our products there, um, like the our digital notes. human teacher. Sorry. I'll put it in the show notes. The, uh, oh yes, <laughs> that would be lovely. Yeah, you can ex you can explore our products, like our digital human teacher. And Great. You can also so, digital human teacher. Yeah. What, so, what what is a digital human teacher? Yeah, I was just about to go on to that. So, um, so our teachers are not bots. They're not chatbots. So okay. they are uh, they're meant to look human like. So one of our north stars in the company is to be human like. Okay. And what we mean by that is so because our north star is human like, we even had to develop our own synthetic avatars. So even that dialogue flow, so they don't just look human-like, because that's one thing. They also interact with you in a human-like way. That dialogue is flowing as a conversation as you, know, you and I are having now, okay. um, but it also asks you questions. So if you think about a chatbot, a chatbot is very, how to say, let's say passive, right? You ask it questions and it fires answers back at you. Yeah. <laughs> so right? it tries to answer your questions in the best way possible, and you can judge yourself whether you are happy with that answer or not. But with us, it's the teacher or the, the digital human teacher that also asks you questions. So it also, and it also makes small talk. So we have that for both our, you know, our digital teacher, but also we have a, a, another product called Teddy AI that is a, a human-like teacher, but then made for children in the form of a teddy bear, because it is for children after all, right? What do they not like more than a teddy bear? Sure. Um, and, but again, Teddy's conversational nature is human-like. So he will talk to the children. Uh, he also has more of a childish voice than an adult voice. <laughs> and again, he engages with the children through the app. You can uh, look it up on the Google Play Store at the moment. It's there as an early release. And you can download and you know play. You can learn things, but you can talk to Teddy. He will ask you questions. You can ask him questions. So you can. it's really that, that, that conversation. That's what we think is the key difference comparing to what you mentioned before, like a bot. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. And so, so you've, you've, uh, got an avatar, you've animated it. So you've got like, presumably like you've spent some time on motion design, animating how these teachers, um, uh, I don't know, gesture and, and, you know, have, have like human like movements, I suppose. Um, what is sitting underneath that? So is it built on an, on an API that, that we'll all have heard of, or have you developed your own LLM? Like what's the, what's the technology underneath? Yeah, so we have built our own uh, supervised models with our own data since okay. we've built our very first MVP that, the one that we used to teach learners in Northern Iraq in 2021. Okay, um, oh wow. Yeah. So you've, yeah. been, you've been at this for a while then. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Okay. we were there quite early on. Yeah. Um, of course, lots of stuff has happened since then, uh, yeah. developing on all aspects, not just uh, the LLM, but also you know the front-facing, the interactions, the usability. And we developed that then further using uh, our own uh, generative AI techniques. And we, we, we are currently, or we keep, 
you know, this is a continuous thing. It will probably never stop. We, for a lot of our new uh, testing models that we're, that, we're, that we're doing, where we test our hypotheses, because um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I drive sort of the research and together with sort of the AI, the, the AI architect lead and the entire team, everybody does a lot of research before we do something. So all of our work, whether that is looking at you know, what is there at the back, how are we developing this you know, large language model to how are we you know, conducting a study to find out what the users want. Everything is very much research driven. Sometimes we do may, when we're testing these new models, we may use APIs from you know, existing systems like um, Llama, GPT, Falcon. Yeah. But for most of the production level, so when you would be interacting, we'll be using our own uh, trained language models. So yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, exciting. Um, so what, what data are you training on? Uh, yeah, lo lots of different data. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, have you, because OpenAI obviously, you know, scraped the, the public internet, right? Um, I know, obviously, the, the big tech firms have got vast reams of their own proprietary data that they're using. Um, have, are you like a, a mix of those two things? Because I, I assume you would need like school curriculum data and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, so we, we need a bit of a mix, but we do have our own curriculum. So when we started um, teaching with humans at the beginning, when yeah. you know AI wasn't there yet, so to speak, or wasn't its really early stages, yeah. we have built our own entire curriculum uh, from scratch. Um, that is, well, was at that time very much focused on the soft skills and employability skills, professional skills development. So we have that entire curriculum from ourselves, which was the ba the foundation that we started with. So we've just now, you know, further built on that and, you know, keep testing it and keep training it and see where the flaws are as well. But yeah. it's a bit of a mix. Okay. Um, and so in that process then, have you, has it surprised you in any way? Has there been any moments where you've been like, oh, wow, fuck, this is amazing. Like it's, it's uh, you know, it's like, like it wakes up. Have you had like a kind of eureka moment when you've been working through this? I think if you'd ask that to any of our team members, everybody would say yes and give you a different example, I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, for me, it would be, uh, so when we tested our first MVP in Northern Iraq in 2021, the learners would engage with our, um, well, very early stage um, digital human teacher. And they would interact with her. Well, we were all on Zoom, but we told them, okay, turn your microphone and camera off and go and play <laughs> or interact with the teacher. And then, you know, after, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes, they would come back to the Zoom. And... We, we um, then discussed with them how they found it, you know, their thoughts, their feelings, just to see, you know, what is their initial reaction on this? Because we, we didn't really know what to expect, to be honest, because yeah. you throw something out there and obviously internally you test it. But, you know, you, when you're working on something yourself, you most likely think, you know, you think it's a great thing. Otherwise, you would not be investing the time and resources in it. And we did some research level stuff there, too. We used some, you know, validated skills and questions from the literature and they, they gave us some great results. But one of the things one of the learners said was like, wow, she speaks to me. <laughs> and yeah, and for me, that was just the moment like, okay, yeah, it, it clicks. It's, it's yeah, going to yeah. work. So We're on to yeah. something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, um, interesting. So does the system learn from its interactions with the students? Or is it like, because, you know, ChatGPT doesn't really learn from the conversations that I have with it day to day, right? The, the, the model's already trained. It, is yours similar or, or is it learning all the time? 
it's different. So it's it's absolutely learns from the interactions with the learners because okay. you know one of our key areas is really to give learners that personalized teacher in your pocket, right? On that smartphone okay. that everybody now has. Yeah. So you really want to get that personalized attention when you're learning. So yes, we still give everybody the same AI teacher. So hence, sort of you know the same quality of the resource and the content and the topic. So we're all learning that same topic. But as you keep interacting with, with the AI, it personalizes the teaching to suit your needs, which may be different than my needs. And yeah. that's not necessarily a new technology because if you would go shopping on I don't know, one of the platforms, let's say Amazon, you know, it keeps giving you recommendations based on your previous habits. So yeah, yeah. it's a similar thing. So that's sort of the so foundation gets, of what so our AI does too. So it just gets better and better and better at teaching you things. God, yes. so it's like, wow. So, so it could be, I mean, I'm getting a bit out there, but it could raise like superhumans, right? Like if you've just got this teacher that's just iterating and getting, and, and it's optimizing for teaching you personally stuff, it's going to get better and better at understanding what resonates and what doesn't. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. Well, obviously you think it's exciting. <laughs> that's why we should be doing this. Um, but I mean, that's, that is very cool. I think that's very cool. I, I like, are you, are you slightly worried that students might work with your AI teacher and then when they go back to a normal human, like be kind of underwhelmed or disappointed by the, by that human interaction? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't think I haven't looked at it necessarily in that way. At the moment, we would not say that our teacher replaces the teacher in the classroom. Right. Yeah. You know, you go okay. to school it's or it's university. An aid, it's exactly. We see it now as you go to school, you learn. You learn with your peers as well. Remember, there's you know not just the teacher. There's the other interactions one has yeah, at yeah. a in a classroom setting, um, those social interactions as well with other you know human beings. But then when you go home and let's say, you know, you have some homework to do, you have a test to study tomorrow and you don't really understand something, most likely your teacher is not available to, you know, call you at 9 p.m. at night and be like, hey, yes, I don't understand this, that or the other. Yeah. So you could continue your learning journey. And then later on, you know, you want to learn something completely different that is nothing related to what you learn at school or at work maybe as well or at university, wherever you are, you, know, you pick up what the idea, you know, you pick up, you know, your, your phone. And you continue your learning journey, um, yeah. whatever it is that you might want to learn. And I guess there is, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, in fact, this is a, probably a good question for you um, as a neuroscientist and psychologist. Uh, there are there will be differences in the ways that we interact and respond to a, a, a human-like digital avatar versus real-life human interaction, right? Like you're 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 not ever going to entirely replicate that i don't suppose yeah and that's where things like you know emotions uh, also come into play of course and um at the moment i don't think or at least not for us and i haven't seen anywhere that i know of doesn't mean it doesn't exist but i haven't seen it yet that these you know sort of digital human teachers also you know, embrace and showcase empathy and compassion like we humans do when you interact. Right. Uh, yeah. And we have loads of facial expressions, body movements. We are still very far, I think, to really um, replicate that, so to speak, in a digital human teacher. You know, you really yeah. then have to talk about AGI, artificial general intelligence. And I don't, we're not near that yet, 
well, not not in the public domain. <laughs> As I said, I don't know what's further on out there. Um, yeah. But you know, you can use techniques like modeling, you know, to make it more human-like. Um, empathy is, I think, one of the biggest factors that we need to look at there. Um, but again, the, the tone that one uses you know, when you're having a conversation with the AI, the tone that's being used. Sometimes, you know, even the choice of words which has nothing to do with, let's say, you know, your, fa your facial expression, but the choice of words that you use can have a big impact on how the person is receiving it. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that it's friendly, <laughs> it may yeah. be, you know, it just greets you. Hey, how are you doing today? Did you have a good weekend? That is already, it's not empathy yet, but it's already going closer to building a connection with you as a human being, which for us, we hope that, or Research in education also suggests that you know when you have a better connection between the the instructor, the teacher, and the learner, that only helps that engagement. You know that boosts that interactivity, and more most likely the learner will then pick things up better, um, better for memory, better for knowledge building, knowledge application. So that connection is definitely really important. And at the moment, yeah, that's you know obviously something that's being worked on. Yeah. So yeah. So like what. How much time are you spending on, on that, like, um, like, uh, like interaction style, I guess, and like kind of empathy replication versus like the, you know, the content and the, you know, the, the curriculum and like the, 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 the stuff that's underlying it. Like what's the sort of split of your time and, and energy, I guess, between those things? difficult uh don't really box my time as much i i would say because also different people get involved in in these aspects right the different things sure. so i think it has sort of its ups and downs i think uh, probably a bit i would say probably a bit 50 50 or maybe 60 content at the moment 40 the whole empathy thing but i think okay. it's more like 50 50 and you know once you have let's say crack the content the content is working well it's a matter of keeping updating that regularly so that your curriculum does stay up to date because AI can do that. Um, yeah. And you know, maybe sometimes you have to retrain the model if you have lots of new data that you think can be very useful to improve it. But then the rest is really spent on researching on you know, how to make it more human-like, how to drive these conversations, having that chit-chat, having you know, the way one asks a question can also be having an impact um, so not just necessarily the content of the question, what it is that you're asking, but how. Um, and then all these things like gestures, facial expressions, that, that, is, that is a huge piece of work. That's, um, that is also a lot that has to go at the back as well. So yeah, yeah. That's tricky. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. And I, I, I guess probably you won't be the only people working on that either. Like there's probably other companies that are, that are just doing that, I guess. Like are you tempted to kind of, third party the the motion design or or is it all you want to keep it all in-house and make it um you know just yours so at the moment everything is in-house i said sometimes here and there we may you know use an api to test certain things yeah um we prefer to keep it in-house if possible so we'll see how how we further develop that and where yeah. we are with it um can obviously learn a lot from other companies too to see how they're doing it how they're showcasing it and we do a lot of testing uh, as i mentioned you know we everything is very much research driven so in one of the tests we do with with our AR teacher we what well, we did already we concluded that is we used a particular scale which consists of a few questions that we asked uh, the learners afterwards which measured sort of how 
well, the term they use is warm. How <laughs> sort of warm okay. the, you know, the AI teacher is, how trustworthy is it? You know, another set of questions where every person just rates the questions and then we calculate a particular score out of it. I won't go into the details of that, but it showed that the users found the AI teacher, you know, well, they use the word human-like, but warm, trustworthy, open, friendly. Yeah. So there is a lot of things, and it's, you know, it's not just sometimes only the AI. There are also other aspects like the background. <laughs> So you have the, you know, the AI teacher. What is the background? How does that look like? That yeah. can also impact their experience. So there are so many studies, small studies, you know, one can do to just understand how to turn this much more into a, well, let's say real life, <laughs> real life setting. So, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that we're doing a lot of work on. Yeah. So I guess kind of what we're, really circling around is it's anthropomorphism right like how how close are we going to get to people really for all intents and purposes viewing these agents and uh, you know i don't just mean yours either like you know obviously as you'll know there's um lots of other agents doing different things out there how close are we getting to people really understanding them as uh, a relationship on a par with their other human relationships all right do you have any thoughts on that I think this is um, this is something that we'll have to see, <laughs> um, but I also think that um, people already have a lot of relationships with non-human objects. Um, you know, as in people are attached to toys, yeah, people are sure, attached yeah. to I don't know statues, all things. Cars. I think everybody has a box somewhere in a cupboard, you know, that you're just never going to throw away <laughs> because yeah, you're true. very attached to it. And but there's just materials, as in you know. I don't know what you have. Everybody has different things. Yeah, but yeah. people are attached to, you know, non-human related things. So, um, and they also attach to characters. How many children are not attached to a particular character? And even now when you're older, you probably had a favorite character or, you know, a favorite character from a movie even. People can become very attached to these things. Yeah. So I think being attached to a, a conversational AI is probably not going to be a surprise. Um because they seem to be even more alive, you know, than those characters yeah. or those non-human <laughs> objects. Yeah. Um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I actually, to be honest, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky tricky playground, I think. And maybe it's even for us as a society to see where do we really draw that line. Um, you know, where is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I my so I've got quite strong views that um, that AI relationships so ai girlfriends for example there's a sort of rise in that for the, for me that feels like the line like that feels like a bad thing for society like the 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 idea that you can potentially have these romantic relationships at scale at like it, that feels like the sort of thing that can really undermine the foundations of a society right and and they're getting increasingly good i think what you're doing is like it, it's great you're solving a problem and there's like it's a very different thing and i think there are lots of really amazing applications for these kinds of things uh, you know and even friendship i guess like you know there are lots of lonely people uh you know having a having a friend might be like um you know a really useful thing for lots of for lots of lonely people out there uh, yeah i was look, just gonna sorry i, to interrupt, yeah, I was just no, gonna go add to yeah. that you know if the ai the lonely people or people with um certain related mental health problems you know to give them personalized support by having a friend there having a buddy who you can talk to 
that would definitely be good. These people shouldn't, you know, suffer in silence or suffer alone. Yeah. Definitely being able to talk to someone, obviously, reliably. The answers need to be, <laughs> you know, the content there needs to be really spot on. Um, but that is a good thing, right? And then if someone yeah. gets, let's say, attached to that AI, I think that's a good thing. However, as you mentioned before, if that then results into a, you know, digital romantic relationships at the cost of actually connecting with other human beings around you, I probably also would say that that's a bad thing. Um, although maybe now it's still too early to say where we really are. But there have been other companies out there. Um, I don't know if you've heard, you, you probably have. Um, the Replica. Yeah, uh, the other yeah. Company, I was going to you know, ask they, you about them. Yeah, 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 they had to you know, temporarily remove their, you know, this adult speaking content because many, yeah. but then many users became sad as they were really, uh, um, you know, getting a strong connection to these or yeah. almost like pseudo-romantic relationships with these AI characters. And now I recently saw that they are trying to create almost like a, a side, I, I don't know if, it's, if they were going to call it a side business, to go more into those that almost want, you know, a... Um, romantic or erotic relationship with an AI avatar. That's that's an area that I think is a is a bit dangerous maybe to go into because that's probably not what AI should be used for. If I think it relating it back to our example, you know, our teachers are tools. You know, they are help people learn. That's why they are tools at the moment. Yeah. But by teaching and that's what we found by teaching through uh or teaching through these human beings, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, uh, when we rapidly had, a, had to expand because of COVID, what we found is the empathy and connection of the learner and the teacher. That relationship, that, that connection that built up because there was, you know, the curriculum is maybe 9, 13, you know, 17 lessons, not a one-off thing. That really played the biggest role in um, the enthusiasm of the learners. They're looking forward to coming again, let's say, next week. You know, retention of knowledge. Um, applying that knowledge then to a new scenario. And I think that's why we really want our AI to be as human-like as possible because we really see that it can help engage them. We, yeah. they, can, they even ask, you know, deeper questions so we can see, oh, you know, they're actually, you know, they're really learning. They're really understanding what it is that, they're, that, they're trying to, that we are trying to get across or the teachers are trying to get across. And also there's a little bit of, you know, accountability. Mm. So, you know, you are accountable to learn. Um, and you probably put your best you know, foot forward and you want to do your best when you actually like that other person that is teaching you. So that's why we think it's so important to have our AI as a, a you know, human likeness as our North Star, as I mentioned. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not saying relationships, but a personal connect to your digital human teacher is probably a good thing and a, and a very possible relationship is a totally different, totally yeah. different game. Well, I think the difference for me is that it's like we were saying before, what you're what your your tool your product is doing is optimizing the thing that you're optimizing for is quality of teaching you know personalization the thing you're optimizing for is how much of the students learning and the the kind of the the intermediary goal there is are they enjoying learning are they you know enjoying interacting with their teacher are they you know enthusiastic about coming to the next lesson like an, an ai girlfriend to just stay on that subject for a minute what's that optimizing for it's optimizing to addict you, right? Like it's optimizing for hitting that dopamine reward pathway over. I mean, well, I mean, you'll know more about that than I will as a as a as a neuroscientist. I mean, I I suspect that's what what it's optimizing for, right? To yeah, keep coming back like social media does with notifications, but just on like a on turbo, you know. 
Exactly. As you said, social media, it's the same thing. The very fact that you keep scrolling. And they did a lot of research into, you know, the way people scroll on right. well, social media, for example. You yeah. know, um, this, this is obviously bad. It keeps you getting addicted. People, people do this the whole day, right? <laughs> They're on the yeah. phone and just go <laughs> like this. And obviously, that is a very negative side of, of AI because that's what it's doing. It's optimizing, you know, based on your behavior, what you may see, uh, what will be shown to you. And so you keep scrolling because you want to know more. <laughs> but, you know, if you uh, are getting good search results, for example, or, um, you know, to increase your efficiency, to become more productive, that's obviously good a good outcome. And that's also because of AI. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think what, what, what I, the, the way it appears to me is like it just demonstrates the potential power of AI for good and for ill, right? Which is why it's part of the reason why I sort of set up this podcast is to kind of try and talk about this and try and understand it. But it seems to me like, you know, just in those two examples that we've just been discussing, you've got a, a quite a clear demonstration of, you know, potential for um, allowing all of these kids who don't have teachers to have a really awesome teacher and to learn loads and to pursue their goals in life to a much more successful degree, right? For me, I, you know, that seems like an unalloyed good. It's just going to iterate over helping them learn better. Then on the other side, quite similar technology in terms of building empathy, in terms yeah. of like a human-like avatar who's engaging with you, but a completely, a, a, a much more terrifying outcome as far as I'm concerned, because it would just, yes. you know, could potentially take loads of people off the mainframe and just, you know, like make them terrified of, of real life relationships. And I, I think that's quite a worry. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's no, I, I totally agree take. with you. And I, and I think that, you know, there is also probably an awareness piece to be done yeah. an educational piece in terms of not saying the good and bads of AI. I wouldn't want to call it like that, but to what extent, you know, uh, when, when one interacts with an AI, you know, a totally different example, if I think of one of our products, the TED AI, the, the, the AI study body, conversational AI for children. Um, what we have also implemented uh, recently, uh, and we're still doing ongoing research on it, but people can start testing it already, is if your child is playing with Teddy, you actually don't really know what's going on. As a parent, you might think, hmm, what do I do? However, you can track the progress. You can see what the child is doing. And not just that, because that's... That's great. That's just monitoring. But you, as the parent of the child, can, using your parent dashboard, website, link, <laughs> that mm. the kid doesn't have access to, you can influence what the AI will talk to your kid about. So let's say your child is not doing so well in school about, I don't know, geography. I'm just think making something up here. You could tell Teddy, you know, hi, Teddy, next time you speak to, you know, whatever your name, your name of your child is John, Next time you speak to John, could you please, you know, focus on the capitals of Europe because he's not so good at that. And that'd be like, all right. So when John comes to the app next time, you know, maybe chat, chat, chit chatting, he will or Teddy will slowly put that in or direct John to a particular game that he may be wanting to interact with to learn that. And that, again, I think is a, is a positive way of using AI, but also making the, the, the other person aware of what is being done. Now, when it yeah. comes to the relationship, that's obviously much more tricky because it's just you know, one person at a time. But even there, there could be educational pieces of it, what does this mean, you know, uh, or questions to the users and asking, you know, if they still also have touch with actual humans. Yeah. Because the metaverse is there, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's coming. Um, it's increasingly 
sort of expanding in, in, in different dimensions. And um, for a lot of people, I mean, we live in a digital world. I think that's, we can all agree upon that. I mean, <laughs> that what we're doing now, <laughs> we're right, doing this yeah, digitally. You say, know? Yeah, <laughs> we're not know, sitting yeah. somewhere and uh, recording and getting rid of all the background noises that keep passing us. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, our digital life is very much here and now. And I think if we're thinking, well, trying to think ahead a few years, it's going to be difficult to imagine doing anything without digital for us, maybe for some of us, it may still be sort of easy to remember those times. But for the people that are growing up now, digital is everything. <laughs> it's yeah. there and everything that they do from the moment they wake up till the moment they go to sleep, everything is digital. And they mm. will do everything digitally, right? Shopping, paying there, going there. Everything is digital. Um, you know, they don't have to drive their car themselves anymore. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> And then they will also explore this entire other world on the metaverse, which is only increasing exponentially. And that too will have so, a big role. Yeah. So are you? So the metaverse, I, I guess I, I was interested in it, and I feel like it's kind of waned a bit. Like that, that we're sort of not, not living as much in the metaverse anymore. Um, but are you quite a, an an advocate of it then? And can you could you see these? your technology being applied into a like a, a virtual classroom where people are this where you have that peer interaction and the teacher interaction in a you know on top of mount everest or you know on the on board the titanic or something um i would say yes and no okay um this needs a lot of research i think to find out uh, to what extent do people want this and maybe people don't know yet what they want because of, for, the, for a lot of people, the metaverse is some unknown word. <laughs> um, but the, you know, this will soon people will start exploring. Um, recently, I attended a conference and it was an online conference. But they also had you know, the virtual room there. So when there was a lunch break, instead of, I don't know, going to the shop here and buying myself a lunch and sitting in front of my desk, I still did that. But then I could join the virtual space and interact with other people in the conference, which was great because how else would I network at this conference if there was no, you know, this virtual, it was a bit weird, I must say, but yeah. it, it helped building those connections and network because normally you would, you know, grab your lunch and sit with the people that are before and behind you in the queue and you would start a conversation. Yeah. There, I think, you know, again, that could be good, um, good outcomes for something like the metaverse. But if you look at the gaming industry, Digital gaming and online digital gaming with other people has been there for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't think in that way, yes, the metaverse is new, but it's not, I guess, <coughs> I should say, maybe that new. And um, I think it's still, there is a lot of exploring that still needs to happen to see what, what this will lead to and how are we going to use it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess the difference with gaming is that it's a really it's a really fun environment, right? Like most metaverse, you know, test cases that you see, they're like you know, a, a room, you know, Mark Zuckerberg with no legs in a room looking at you know, like the window or whatever. It's like <laughs> who wants to do that? Who wants to spend their time, you know, sitting in a room? Like if if you want to, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, the the gaming example is a good one because it's like you need you need something to bring people in. So like, and your conference example, the reason you're there is not to exist in a virtual space is because you're at a conference, right? You're there to learn about stuff. And then there's this byproduct of, um, you know, virtual rooms that, that are kind of making those connections that you might, you might otherwise get in the real world. Um, 
but yeah um okay well there was one other thing that i wanted to ask you which is sort of a bit more waxing philosophical i suppose um mm-hmm. and it's about the way you know given that you are a neuroscientist and you're in the ai field um i'd love to know if you have any thoughts on the differences between the ways humans learn and the ways machines learn and is there any similarity at all or is it like birds and planes right like we just invented a, a much more energy intensive way of flying um like, do, do, do you have any, any kind of, you know, thoughts on, on those different learning styles? Uh, good question. Interesting question. Um, yeah, and I will apologise to, uh, to you. Our, our listeners don't know, but I didn't give you any heads up about this question either. No, and uh, that's fine. We, uh, before we spoke, <laughs> but um, I just thought of it while we were talking. So, um, yeah, that's if you've totally got any, any thoughts, I, it just feels like an interesting question to me. Like, how have we developed this thing? How different is it from our own brains? Are we modeling our own kind of learning? It's an interesting question because when we, when, we, when we talk about in our own organization about our OI AI, so our, um, our artificial intelligence, our digital human teachers, we call it the brain. So we have our OI AI, which is our brain, which then obviously has its large language models, keeps on training, and that feeds then into, let's say, uh, our digital human teacher and our TED AI you know, at the moment. But the way that brain, I guess, has been created or has been developing and been trained and tested, I would say it's, it's quite different from the way humans um, grow up, humans develop. Yeah. Um, also, the, just the, 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 the time is already a big difference. An yeah. AI brain can learn a lot of things very quickly, whilst we as humans often take quite a long time to get to get to know something, to learn something. And then later on, if we're coming to a similar scenario, remember we had learned that to apply, you know, let's say the right thing and not make that mistake, let's say again. Whilst a lot of us, we do make mistakes over and over until we finally learn that. AI can learn things much faster and a lot more as well in a short period of time. Now it doesn't obviously have that satisfaction feeling that humans have. If we learn something or if something we learned or goes well, we are maybe over the moon, we're excited, you know, and that might be drives us and motivates us. These feelings, apart from what we discussed earlier, you know, this this empathy, the feelings, the motivation, AI obviously doesn't have either. And our learning, I think finally, is also shaped by the way the way we interact with others around us our own background, our experiences, and how we, you know, our own individual beliefs. Now, I wouldn't, I probably would say the AI doesn't have any beliefs, although you can train it to have certain Mm. beliefs, I guess, and certain visions and values, but that is still then the same for that entire AI. Whilst if we pick a topic today, um, it doesn't have a favorite thing. You and I have favorite things. If I ask you what's your favorite cake, you may say chocolate. I'm like, oh, I hate chocolate, you know, rather have banana cake. Or if you're asking AI, oh, I don't have any, you know, they don't have any things yeah. like that. And that all is part of our learning. It's a very silly example, but yeah. that very much influences the way you learn and the way you pick up information. And really? you can decide as a human that you only will learn about this, this, and that. And if I give you a book, you may just skip half of it because you're not interested. Or you're reading, but actually you're not really reading. You're skipping half of the lines because you can't wait to go to, I don't know, page 20. Because there's an image and you really love to learn in that way. An AI doesn't, ha- an AI doesn't have that. 
you know, personal preference over, <laughs> I want to yeah. learn this, I don't yeah. want to learn that. So I think there's a lot of differences in, in the way we pick up information compared yeah. to how technology does it. I, I guess it's probably because the human brain is, is optimized for efficiency, right? Like yes. we, we don't have, uh, you know, endless energy and endless compute to throw at a problem. There's the, we don't have a whole data center inside there. We've got a, a, a small thing that, that needs to be super efficient. So I, I mean, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I, I suppose part of that choosing what to learn is like an evolved behavior to maximize efficiency, right? Like we learn the things that we're interested in and we have beliefs about things. It forms our interpretation of the world. Um, and we've kind of evolved not to waste time learning things that aren't relevant to the things we're going to need. I guess. Yes. Yeah. And we may also just say, okay, enough. I've learned. I don't know the solution. I'm going to go with the best way possible. And I'm right. just going to see how that turns out. And yeah. if it then turns out wrong, okay, we know now that this is wrong. We learn something from it. We, well, it's not a mistake, but we learn something from it and applying that in the next scenario. Um, again, it's different with an AI. It would really optimize and maybe come up with something that we couldn't come up with because we are maybe thinking in a particular box or thinking from a particular perspective. Yeah. Um, so yes, there is a lot when it comes to learning that is different. Also, um, humans all learn in a different way and in a different pace um, and learn at particular times. Some people are, you know, morning, evening, afternoon people. Really? That's, that's one that. thing. Yeah, okay. some people, you know, function and optimize better uh, by being more attentive and being more focused and being able to concentrate, which also helps with motivation. <laughs> so right. if you are, you know, you can be very motivated to do something, but if you don't have enough concentration and focus for it, you can be as motivated as you want, but it's not going to lead to a, the output you desire. Um, yeah. As well as, you know, I may be a visual learner, but you may be, um, you know, you don't like to learn from images. You want to just read text and text and text. You know, you rather yeah. give, you rather want a textbook and you just read. Well, I'll be like, oh, I actually would like to listen to a video. Maybe the video is 45 minutes. It doesn't matter. But in that way, I learn more. Some mm -hmm. people want both. So again, there is a, a very, learning for a human is very um, individualized because everybody picks up the information in their own way based on the way they've been brought up, the environment they're in, and based on the way they learn. And that is obviously the tricky part with AI to mimic, yeah. to see that you can still give that personalized one-to-one -one support to each individual learner. And that's why you know, the more interactions you have with the AI, the better, well, the more it learns about you and your behavior and what you like and not like, and focuses obviously on the things you like to then enhance yeah. your, uh, your learning journey. Yeah, it's so interesting because I, I find this like I can I can have real desire to do something, but if I, I, I and I think I'm quite sort of industrious, like I, you know I spend a lot of time working. But if I don't find something interesting, like if I find something boring, I find it so incredibly difficult to get through. Like, and I will think of I you know I'll procrastinate. I'll think of anything, anything else that's even marginally more interesting to go and find to do than the thing that I find boring. Whereas if if I'm interested, if it, like like this, right, talking about AI with with experts and interesting people, I'll do it all day, you know, and I'll, I'll yes. remain completely focused in this conversation. I'm not distracted at all. Um, so I, yeah, you're, it really resonates everything you're saying about about that personal preference, that individualization, um, and yeah, I guess 
large language models are the polar opposite of that, right? Like they just have everything, give everything equal focus and, um, and have a very, very generalized view. And actually that's often the, um, a criticism of the output that you get from things like chat GPT, yes. which I guess is less so the case with your platform because it iterates and personalizes, but chat GPT is very generic. You know, it's, you get very generic responses to questions. Um, sure. and yeah. And I guess what you're doing is kind of a best of both worlds a little bit, right? Like it, you're finding what people are interested in and then focusing on that way to teach them about it. Yeah. So uh, as you said, ChatGPT is a generalized, general, that's, you know, a large language model. Yeah, yeah. We are looking at having a large language model, particularly for the field of education. So ours is not a general model. It's very focused on this particular role. Still very big field, education. Yeah. Um, but a lot of parts would not be relevant for our model because we're not looking at that generic. Yes, there is a bit of generic in there, obviously, because you need to have the chit-chat, right? the conversation that you have as a user. Um, and that obviously has a, a database of a lot of generic knowledge in there. And people also may want to learn about different things. So there is general knowledge in there. But it specializes in education, the way you interact, the way you quiz, the way you ask questions. There's a lot more in there and that way, yeah, than if you're thinking about something like, like ChatGPT, as you said. Awesome. Well, look, we are running up towards the, the end of our um, time together. Um, it's been uh, super interesting. So uh, let's just wrap up by um, just letting people know where the best places to keep up with you are, what you've got coming up next, like anything that you'd like to sign off with. Yeah, no, it was absolutely lovely to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, I could talk to you probably the rest of the day, but... Same, same. <laughs> I, wish I, had, I, I wish I'd had longer. I honestly would go on for much longer. Um, but that might turn into a very, very long episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, happy to talk on another time as well. Um, I think, yeah, if you're interested to hear more about what we discussed today, feel free to go to our website, oyedu.co.uk. You can explore, as I mentioned, our digital human teacher. You can sign up as well there or... If if you have um, an Android, you can play with Teddy AI on a Google Play Store, or you can go to teddyai.com and interact with him on the web. And always happy to answer any questions. You'll find our social media hashtags and our email address there too. So just reach out and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Awesome. All right. Well, I will make sure to get a list of those uh, links and stuff from you um, and put them in the show notes. Um, but yeah, look, for now, I would, yeah, I'm sure I, I would love to get you on again in future. Um, so I'm sure we'll we'll make something happen when you've got the next news event or whatever. But um, yeah, for now, thanks very much for joining me. Lovely. Thank you so much.